welcome to Power of the Cross Radio, bringing the message of Christ and Him crucified to the world. Find this and many more sermons at our website at grenadachurch.com. Also, our 24-hour web radio station can be found on the internet at cross.radio. Again, that is cross.radio. Now sit back and relax. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Wilson titled, Lay Down Your Idol and Pick Up His Grace. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and of such like, of the which I tell you before, as I also told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I need your help to preach this morning, Lord. I need that anointing that comes from on high from the Holy Spirit, Lord, to help me speak your word without fear nor favor, and to bring words of encouragement also, God, in these days that we live to know where our hope and our help comes from. And we ask it all in Jesus' name, and we say amen. I want to preach to you a few moments about laying down your idols and picking up His grace. I'm not going to focus on every single word, and there's just two that I want to focus in on, and that's idolatry and witchcraft. Now, when people hear the word idolatry, they seem to think that they get in their mind this great giant carved statue of a pagan god and wild natives maybe dancing around a huge fire in some foreign country. But I don't think that's what Paul had in his mind when he wrote this. And just real quickly, if you look up here inside of there, I found this chart. It's a pretty good one. There's some pretty intense subjects inside of these few verses here, but there's a couple there that we're going to want to focus in on, and that's idolatry and witchcraft. And it really constitutes false worship. And it's probably not what you think it is. It's not talking about uh, the act of people gathering around a, a graven image. I mean, in some sense it is, but I don't think it's what Paul was addressing here. Idolatry, as Paul used it here, is the act of idolatry that transpires when an individual gives his complete and undivided attention, devotion, passion, love, or commitment to a person, uh, project, or anything other than God. So when something other than God takes the place in a person's mind, he has entered into some measure idolatry. And I know that we don't in our land, it could change, but we don't have a lot of Uh, temple worship there are pockets of things like islam and things that go on but i don't know of any place there's a few maybe some hindu temples in georgia uh as a whole the united states doesn't face that type of idolatry that was in paul's day but we do face a lot of idolatry and it's before us every day if you do not mortify the flesh by the power of the spirit of god It will not be long before other things preoccupy your time and that distill the devotion and passion that should only belong to Jesus Christ. If you're not extremely careful, your family, your spouses, your parents, your children, your jobs, your vacations, your money, your possessions, your desires, even your own talents 
will unintentionally become the focus of your worship and service. So we ask a few questions here. Don't answer out loud. It's just a question for you yourself sitting there on the pew this morning. What do you think of more than anything? And fix, fix that in your mind. What is, and be honest with yourself. Again, don't answer out loud. But what is in your mind? What do you think about all the time? What consumes most of your time? What takes about four or five hours a day uh, out of your personal life, not work? I understand work we have to do, but in your downtime, if you will, away from work or what you like to relax and do, whatever consumes four or five hours of your personal time, that's what you worship. What do you live for? And the answer to those questions will tell you what you worship. You know, we got in our mind worship is inside of a building called a church. In reality, our whole life is a worship. God is what it should be of Jesus Christ. Our life should be a testimony to Him. And if the answer to any of those questions was anything other than Jesus Christ, you have erected an idol in your life. And it may come and go at different times in your life, and we're all susceptible to this. We have to be careful not to create our own priesthood and serving our own self-interest. You don't have to have a carved image of some graven idol in your living room to say that you have idolatry in your home. If you're attempting to place a person, a project, or an object in your life on the same level with God, you're probably committing idolatry. Idolatry is very serious. God took it so seriously, so seriously, that it was one of the Ten Commandments. He said, you'll have nobody before me. And your life should be a testimony that God is first. If something else takes all your time and consumes your time, it will not be long before God does something about it. Now, if you don't believe me, Look at what the Word of God says and then look at our nation. Now, I'm very happy with how many people are here this morning. There's not a preacher in the one that doesn't want to see the place packed out, but I'm very happy with the crowd we have this morning. But the truth of the matter is, when I was on the way to church, if all those people I seen out doing their activities in their boats and heading off and going to doing all the things of the world, if they would have made it a point to commit just a few hours out of the week to God's house. There are not enough churches in Grenada, Mississippi to hold them. And don't give me this old excuse, oh, well, I just can't get along with them down there at the lighthouse. Well, go somewhere else where they're preaching the truth. You heard about the guy they caught on the island. He was all by himself. He had been marooned on the island for like 20 years. A rescue party found him one day. As they found him, he was just so great to see him. As getting ready to leave, they noticed three little huts. And they said, well, what are those three little huts right there? He said, oh, those are churches I built. And keep in mind, he's by himself on this island. Well, why is there three of them? He said, well, I built the first one. I didn't like the people going there, so I built the next one. I built the second one. I didn't like what they were preaching, so I built the third one. We laugh at that, but that's the truth. We get so offended by things that just shouldn't knock us off course, but it's true. And when we get down to it, though, the reality, something else 
has come in and taken a place up in our life, and we have erected it as an idol. God will do things to get your attention. Sports has become a huge idol in this nation. God just took care about all of it. Churches want to entertain people more than they want to see souls saved. They want to entertain and have... And there's nothing wrong with cooking and eating out and good music. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that's all a church is about... God will put a stop to it sooner or later. Folks, I hope we grow in to have one of the biggest music programs Pentecostal churches have ever seen. I love to sit down and break bread with people and eat and fellowship, always have fun. But that's not what we do. We're here to win souls to the kingdom of God. That's what we do. And the church has lost its way and erected every idol up but that. They've not held Jesus Christ up and Him crucified. They've held men up. They've held programs up. And the church is sickened with idols. When the head is sick, the whole body is sick. When the church went south, when the church went down, look what happened to the nation. Now we have people that don't even want to go back to work. We have homes tore up left and right. Our nation is in complete shambles because of the church and the direction they have taken. I'm telling you, it's not too late. God is still in charge of all this. It doesn't make us unsaved because we went a wrong direction. But what it is a call for is a call for repentance. You go read the book of Judges. I love the book of Judges, and maybe it, re- it reflects in my preaching. But God would take the nation of Israel and raise them up and bless them in the midst of heathen nations. And then it would say they did evil in the sight of the Lord. What was that evil? Every time it was idols. And God said, I'm not going to have it. And it took 40 or 50 years for these things to transpire, sometimes maybe about 80 or 100, and God said, enough is enough. What you're seeing happen in this nation is a direct response from heaven. Because God's in charge of this. Satan's not in charge of this world, folks. Oh, come on, can I get an amen? Things are happening, they're evil, but God's in charge of this world. He's in charge of this nation. And all these things we have seen. Look, churches out in California just talk about they were closed. Now, I'm going to say something pretty bold here. Tighten your bootstraps up just for a second. Be big people because I'm going to say it. Maybe some of them should have shut. I've seen them outside, outside with a sign. Please open our church doors. Honey, you wouldn't have to tell me to open the church door. I wouldn't have to ask somebody. I'd go open it, and you'd see them dragging me out by my, I guess, my ankles. I'd go kicking and screaming. Somebody would have to come in and physically remove me from the church. They would. I'm I'm prepared to. Because I'm not going to have the government telling me that I can't open the church doors when you're gathering up in the city by the thousands and ripping down buildings and burning them down. It don't work that way, Jack. Excuse my vernacular. Just got a little hillbilly in me. You're going to have to bear with me. 
Now let's look at witchcraft. Oh, I love this one. If there's an area I'm an expert in, I'm an expert in this one, unfortunately. Paul said witchcraft. Now, I don't think Paul was talking about... We get in our mind, if I just pulled you offside, we was outside of church, and I said, boy, they're committing witchcraft. In our mind, and they exist, they're real. They've always been around. We would think of a witch casting a spell or demons or something. We would, that would come to our mind naturally. But that's not what Paul was talking about. This, I love the King James. It's like reading poetry when you read it, but sometimes the words in there, you have to do a little research because it's not the best translation for our language today because it's changed so much. But don't get me wrong, King James Version is the best translation. But the word witchcraft is pharmakia. It's, where, it's the Greek word pharmakia. It's where we get our word for pharmacy, for drugs. Yes, they've had them back then. They've had drugs throughout all ages. Since, since the beginning of time, there have been drugs to some extent. I mean, they've had alcohol at the very minimum. Paul is saying it's a work of the flesh. Now, why in the world would Paul use this word as a work of flesh? Beginning in the beginning of the church days, back in the book of Acts, what was going on that Paul was seeing? People were going into temples, pagan temples, and they were, let's say they need the healing for their leg, or they needed the healing in their body, or maybe there was an emotional issue going on. They would go to these temples, and they would go to the priest there, and the priest would take a hallucinogenic drug, and he would mix it in in a vial of wine and give it to them, and they would take it. And then they would, while they were high, while they had a buzz on, they would worship in that temple. And it's just like it is today. There was a temporary relief from the problem. There was. I can think back in my drug days, that's what it was about. Most people that have never been, and I'm glad you haven't, but if you've never been down that journey of drug addiction... What most people don't understand, the person doing it is trying to escape something. My my case, I come out of the military and I was in pain. And that was my escape. And it gave me relief. You had euphoria and everything. The world was wonderful. But you keep going back and the buzz wears off and you're back to where you started. And you go back again, and you, that's what's happening in these temples. The people were trying to get relief from their problems and and, and problems usually only got worse, what always happens with alcohol and drugs. So how in the world does this apply to our society? The flesh behaves the same way today as it did back then. You have something rotten and nasty inside of you called the sin nature. Whoo, Brother Wilson, don't say that about me. Come on, let's be grown folks this morning. I'm trying to give you victory. I'm trying to show you how to overcome every single thing that's facing you in your life that is wrong. I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm not trying to say you're a bad person. I am just simply saying if you want victory over the sin in your life, you're going to do it God's way. You have inside of you this sin nature, and Paul called it the flesh. And it's that thing inside of you that does not want to conform to the ways of God. You've had it from the day you were born. You just didn't know it. But that is what 
is connected with your flesh, that sin nature. It's, all, it's like they're together. They're mated together. And they, the nature inside of you, that sin nature is supplying energy to the flesh. And you act it out. That's why you do drugs. That's why you'll do alcohol. That's why you'll commit sexual sins. It's because your flesh is, is working with the sin nature inside of you. And here's what God is proposing to you. I will disconnect that sin nature. I will disconnect that thing inside of you. The, the wonderful and powerful thing is, is this happens at salvation. When you accept Christ as your Savior, that's what happens. That sin nature is disconnected from your flesh. We hope you are enjoying this message. We ask that you would consider helping us keep the power of the cross radio going throughout the globe. To do that, we need your financial help. Go right now to www.grenadachurch.com and click on Donate. There you will find a secure means to donate by credit card, debit card, or PayPal. Even the small amounts add up, so help us bring the message of the cross to the world with your help. Now, back to the message. I can tell you on my own life, I, I was involved with crystal meth for the better part of from 90... Six to about 2005, whatever, about roughly 10 years. And it kept getting worse and worse. But the day that I accepted Christ as my Savior, that day, automatically at the altar, God disengaged that from my sin nature, and I never went back to it ever again. Now, other things I struggle with down the road, but this is where the message of the cross comes in in our daily life. Then, after that, God wants to continue to work on you every day. He won't, Our flesh will try to convince us to ignore the problem that we're facing and hide it with superficial coverings like alcohol and drugs. Let me give you a newsflash about alcohol. You drink one beer, you're one-tenth drunk if it took you ten beers to get drunk. I had this discussion with a friend yesterday, a good discussion. We were on the same wavelength, but... We both agree because we've been down that road. I drink one beer, I start to change. You do. You can tell that hogwash to somebody else and you can drink three or four beers and you're okay. You're talking to the wrong one about that because I, I should have bought stock in uh, Budweiser at that time because I was drinking all of it up. You drink one beer, you start to change. Oh, we got, you've got preachers in this area that will stand in the pulpit and tell their people it's okay to drink. Matter of fact, I know one of them, a guy told me, he said he was going to the church and everything was fine. He got invited to a wedding and there was the preacher out there. And the, the wedding went fine. He, uh, the reception, the preacher was out there and he started to drink. Had one beer, everything's fine. Had two beers, everything's fine. About three or four beers later, there's a preacher out there on the dance floor. Woo! And just dumped his testimony all in the floor. It's witchcraft is what it is. It is witchcraft. Look, but I know the struggle. I was saved on my way to heaven, and there I was struggling with alcohol. Don't tell me people can't be saved because it's one thing to be in sin and, and, and when you say it's okay, that's one thing. But when you're struggling, don't ever discount nobody because I had people looking at me and saying, oh, he's not saved. They just didn't know the tears that were flowing when I was by myself. They didn't know the struggle that I was going through. 
The permanent solution is this. Number one, you've got to put God first thing in your life. There can be nothing else in the way. That everything else has to take a back seat. Period. I, I, I have learned this. My wife reminded me this month will be 15 years. Tomorrow will be is my birthday. Well, I thought your birthday was in June, Brother Wilson. It is my physical. But the day I really come to life, the day I started living, was July of 2005. That's when I started living. That's when God gave birth to who you see today. Am I perfect? No. Uh-uh, cause we're going to talk about that here in just one second. I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm a, I'm a new creation in Christ. I know how to gain the victory now. I know what it takes to live this Christian life. I know what you have to sit down. And the first thing you have to do, you have to say beyond any shadow of a doubt 24-7 that God is number one in my life. I will not let people sway me. I will not let this world sway me. Sister, when it's time to open the church doors, brother, when it's time to come to the house of God, I don't care what you got going on. I could care two cent less about what's happening in this world. I'm heading to church. Oh, that's because you're a preacher. Look, I was uh, still drinking out. I wasn't nowhere near ministry. That church door was open. I was heading. One time I got, I had stapled up, had surgery. I told my wife, I said, you carry me on that church. And she set me on the back pew. I couldn't even lean up, but I could hear the Word of God as I looked at the ceiling. So I'm not being a hypocrite when I say, no matter what it is, God is number one in my life. Have you ever taken off? Sure. I'm just like you. I get enough of people sometime. i got to go take a break. Everybody goes through that. you got to take a break once. I'm not telling you can't go on vacation. But God's number one in my life. I'm not telling you things don't come up sometimes. Sometimes your work will call you. Say, you know what, we need, this is unusual, we need you. I understand that. But I'm going to show you with work, that I've seen this face with more people. This was me at work. I was here at this church preaching. And coppers, I worked at coppers out there, been out there several years. And they went to a seven-day work week. And the man told me, he said, you're going to have to be out here Sunday. And I said, I can't. And he said, well, you're going to have to. I said, well, I'm sorry. I can't. I, I've got a church to preach. He said, well, we're going to fire you. I said, well, get your paperwork together because you're just going to have to fire me. And I'll let you fire me, and I'll deal with you later. Well, I told him. We had a union. <laughs> and, they, and then the union boss come to me and said, uh, Pharaoh, what they called me. Pharaoh, we serious now. They're going to fire you if you don't show up to work. I said, well, you know, Mike, I love you, brother. I appreciate what y'all done for me, but I, I'm telling you, I can't do it. I just can't. I've got that church comes first. They fired me. They just fired me. It come up to that Sunday that I wasn't going to have to come in. The plant manager come over to me. We've made up our mind. I said, well, what you made up your mind about? Can you come in here early and get your job done and then go to church? I said, I sure can. Won't be no problem. There's always an option. And God's going to test you in things in your life. But the first thing you have to make up in your mind is God is number one. He's going to test you. He's going to tear down those idols. And if you don't listen, it'll get worse sometimes. 
Go to 1 Samuel chapter 5 and read what happened to the idol Dagon. Oh, the enemy was happy. They had the ark of God. Look at what we done took. And they put that ark of God in there with the Dagon idol. Next morning they come here, old Dagon done fell off the shelf and broke his head. God will get the idols out of your life. And you got to ask yourself sometimes, why do the things happen to me that happen in my life? You know, sometimes bad things just happen to good people, and I never can explain that. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, and a lot of problems sometimes we face, we bring it on ourselves because God said, I will have no other gods before me. People are crying out, God bless this nation. And I can almost hear my father say, how can I bless you when you've erected all these things before me? Stop this virus. How can I stop it when you've allowed it in? You know everything. You handle it. You see, the Holy Spirit not only does that on a national level, He also does it in your life. You've got it. Go ahead. You've got the answer, Pharaoh. Go ahead. I've walked away from the message of the cross, spiritually speaking, I don't know how many times. I, oh, I got this, God. I'm doing good. I got this. Here's what we're going to do, God. And then I fall flat on my face, and I realize, you know what? Maybe I was erecting an idol. Maybe I was allowing things into my life that I shouldn't have. And on to witchcraft. The Holy Spirit cannot speak through you when you're messed up. I'm sorry. He just can't. The alcohol has to go. The drugs you know you're not supposed to be putting in your body have to go. I'm going to tell you the reality of this. And I think other drug people that have been involved in drugs would agree with me. I think it's gotten even worse. I would say every ten houses you go down, I bet at least seven or eight of them houses, somebody in there has some type of drug or alcohol. It's that bad. Our whole nation is medicated to where they can't even think straight. Witchcraft is in our land. Idolatry is in our land. What are we going to be crying out for God? <laughs> Folks, we, these are two major things that God said that, that will not be said of my people is witchcraft and idolatry. But I'm going to give you an answer today how to address these things. You can throw down that idol and witchcraft today. The first step is I don't know Everybody in here today, where they're headed. I can't look at each and every one of you and say that you know Christ as your Savior. Only you can say that in your heart. So the first thing you have to settle today is, do I really know Christ as my Savior? You have to know beyond a shadow of doubt when you walk out that door. You know what? Today I know. I know that Christ is my Savior. And when you can say that, I'm not talking about all the problems you got piled up. You're always going to have problems in life. You're always going to fail. It's just part of your Christian walk. You're growing every day. You can't look at where you were. You've got to look at where you're at. But when you can stand on your own two feet and say, you know what? I was still smoking and drinking. And I stood on my own two feet and I said, today I know I'm saved. Got a lot of work to do, God. <laughs> you got a lot more cleaning to do. But I know today that I'm saved. And when you do that, then something most wonderful happens also, if you allow it. See, I struggled way too long when I shouldn't have. Part of it, well, when my Christian walk, it was not really my fault because nobody around me knew the answer. 
I don't care how many reverends they got slapped on their name. I don't care how many degrees they got hanging on the wall. That stuff don't impress me. I've looked all through the Bible. And I, well, I had a preacher tell me this. I had a business card, and just as a title, it had reverend on it. He said, he looked at it. I've looked all through the Bible, and I can only find reverend twice. And both times it was talking about God. And I'm looking at his diploma with doctor on it. And I said, well, I've looked all through the Bible and I can't find the word doctor. Paul said those things meant nothing to him. You may get brutally honest in what was said in one passage. I count them all as dung. Well, it's the Bible, not me. That's, I count them all as dung. That's how worthless they are. It's not how much you know in this world. Lord, have mercy. Help me here, Lord. Folks, you can, you can change today. If you know Christ as your Savior, watch what, how this happens now. When you understand that the power of the Holy Spirit comes in your life this way and this way only, by what you believe, when your faith is rest completely and totally, I mean completely and totally, in Christ and Him crucified, then the Holy Spirit can change you. Romans 8 and 12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Verse 13, For we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. There's a guy named Kenneth Weist. Uh, some things you have to be careful with him on, but I'm going to tell you, Romans chapter 8, he has it down verbatim, exactly how it is supposed to be preached and taught. And this is what he said when he was translating out the Greek words. He's a very smart man, was a smart man, lived back in the 1800s to about 1963. And he wrote this here to, to say this is how this verse ought to be read. So then, brethren, we're those under obligation. You have obligation to God to live for Him. You do. If you call yourself a Christian, you have the obligation to live for Him. Or you can't take up that name that you're the son and daughters of God. A son and daughter of God will act like the son and daughter of God. They won't look like the devil's child. Woo! Preach on, Brother Wilson. <laughs> not to the flesh. We're not to live to the flesh. We are not supposed to allow that thing to rule and reign in our life. That's sin nature. To live habitually under the dominion of the flesh. That means every day you wake up that you're not, you're not setting out that day to say, well, I'm fixing to go get my six-pack and I ain't doing nothing today. I'm not going to church Sunday. I'm going to do what I want to do. How dare you slap the name of Christian in front of you? You're not a child of God when that is the way you act now. But the same token, that child of God that's struggling, that knows Christ, and I don't want to go do this again, Lord. You find yourself down there picking up that six-pack of beer, and you don't know what to do. And that flesh is dominating you. And then somebody like me shows up and says, Hey, i got the answer for you, though. You can pick up God's grace today. And this gracious thing He gives to you freely, you don't have to earn nothing. He gives it to you. And He asks one thing from you, to believe. 
to believe. When you've put Him first in your life and you believe Christ died on Calvary for you and that blood has cleansed you, you no longer have to habitually live by the dominion of the flesh. For assuming that you are living habitually under dominion of the flesh, you are on your way to dying. That means spiritually, but it also can mean physically. I have seen the body count in this nation from witchcraft every day of my life. There's not a day that goes by that I don't hear of some poor soul that is OD'd, that has drank their way to the ICU. Let me tell you what, I know they're blaming everything on COVID-19. You can guarantee yourself that alcohol-related um, incidents, uh, alcohol, the, the drunk driving incidents, the kids being killed by alcohol, home being torn up, daddy coming in there and hitting the wife and beating the kids, those things are still going on every day. In this neighborhood over here, I don't, I, there's quite a few number of houses over here. I don't really know much anything personal about over there, maybe one person out of the church. But I would be safe to say that there are probably every night multiple alcohol and drug-related incidents happening every day. Chicago up there, they're hauling bodies out of there left and right, 40 and 50 a night because of drug deals gone wrong. Richcraft has swept our land. They're on their way to dying spiritually and physically. But assuming that you live by the Spirit, you are habitually putting death the deeds of the body, you will live. You want to have a birthday today? Everybody wouldn't mind having two birthdays. If you're not saved today, you can have a birthday today. You can start a new life today. And if you're a Christian and you're struggling... You can put to death that flesh today, right now. You don't have to go another minute. All you got to say is, God, I submit myself to you. Yeah, there's got to be some want to. God's not going to yank you by the nap of your neck and, and pull you down and force you to do something. You got to desire the things of God more than you desire the things of the flesh. One last verse here. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For as many are being constantly led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. No, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But I can say this today. That I'm a son of the Most High King. You're a daughter of the King. You come from the royal bloodline of Jesus Christ. And nobody can take that away from me. Except myself. I'm the only person that can mess that relationship up. In the moment I step out of faith in Christ and what He's accomplished. Guess what I've done? I've not unsaved myself. I'm not eliminated because I made a mistake. I'm not eliminated because I had sin in my life. But I, I, I'm in danger. I'm, 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 I'm certainly frustrating. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm certainly frustrating the grace of God. I'm certainly frustrating it. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery again with resulting fear. You know, slavery has been in our news headlines for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now, don't kid yourself about one thing. Although I don't agree with a lot of things going on right now. Don't you think, kid yourself, that many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, there wasn't a slavery problem in this nation. 
there were people treated worse than animals. They stood black people up on auction blocks in New Orleans and sold them like heads of cattle. Think about the Jews when they were in Germany. Hey, there have been white people ca- captured as slavery. You think about the thought of slavery. That's the way the devil has us. When you give yourself into witchcraft, when you give yourself into idolatry, you're placing yourself on that auction block. You're standing up there with chains bound. You can't do nothing. That's why most of the world is miserable. That's why they're engaging in all types of sin. That's why they're out marching and they don't even know what they're talking about. They have not a clue. They're tearing down statues. They don't even know what they are. I mean, one of the biggest people that had a part in freeing the slaves and and had his life taken from him because of it, Abraham Lincoln, the statue was toppled and paint thrown on. Why? Witchcraft and idolatry. And it has to stop. You know, we can come to the table and anybody, I'll talk with anybody. And I think you should have the right to talk. Even your own life, you should have a life. God, God doesn't have a problem with you possessing things. God wants you to possess a good family. God wants you to have children. God wants you to be fruitful and multiply. He wants you to have the abundance of things. Most people in the Bible were wealthy people. Abraham wasn't broke. Paul said, I've abounded at times. God doesn't have a problem with you having things, but He doesn't have a problem with you possessing things. He has a problem with those things possessing you, though. That's what we don't want. But you, for you didn't receive it, don't let this thing carry you into slavery. Don't let objects, don't let things, don't let people carry you into a form of slavery. You can be free by Jesus Christ. Last but not least, I'm wrapping this up. But you receive the Spirit who places you as adopted sons by who you cry out with deep emotion. Woo! That's a good verse. You cry out with deep emotion. Abba, my Father. That means here I was on this slave, this auction block of sin. I'm a slave and I got my hands bound. And the devil just laughing and having a good time. Look at him. I got him now. won't be long. When he leaves this world, I got him. Y'all chalk another one up coming through the gates of hell. But then somebody steps in. Says, I'll take him. I'll pay the price. That's what happened. My father has all the silver and gold that I need. All the riches in heaven were given to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he paid such a, a great price. When you walk out this door today, don't discount the price he paid. It is such a great price that He paid. There's so much power that comes behind it. And when you place your faith in what Christ has accomplished, now with deep emotion, I can cry out, Abba, Father, the one who saved me and cleanses me. This brings us to the end of the message. We pray that it has been a blessing to you. If you have prayer requests, visit us on our prayer page at GrenadaChurch.com. If you have questions, comments, or would like to request a free New Testament study Bible, drop us a line at info at grenadachurch.com. Our 24-hour radio station is on the internet at cross.radio. That's cross.radio. Thank you again for listening and may God bless you and keep you.
Be sure to join us again soon here on Power of the Cross Radio. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. All right reserved.